What up, people? Today's episode is Easter-themed, or as close to it as we could get. And by we, I mean mother, I did very little. I wanted some crazy story of a guy just like a rabbit with an axe, but apparently people are much more normal than I thought, so spoilers, we don't have one of those. And shout out to the people that have been following and leaving reviews. I don't like it when content creators just harp on about hitting the bell button to get notified when we upload, because everyone does it and it's just tedious. But that being said, thanks a bunch. It helps. Enjoy the episode. Peace. On the 29th of March 1934, an ordinary boy was born into an ordinary family in Ohio. He grew into a man of 5 foot 5 tall and 135 pounds in weight, described as quiet and pleasant by neighbours. At the age of 41, he was still living with his mother, his father having died when he was 12. He never got past two years of college, never graduated couldn't hold down a job for long, and what little money he did have, he'd managed to scrape together as savings, he lost in the stock market crash of 1974-75. And what money he could borrow from his family was spent in a local bar, seven nights a week. What made this unremarkable man take a .357 Magnum, a rifle and two .22 handguns and in under five minutes murder 11 people on the 30th of March 1975. This is the murder of the Ruppert family and this is Murder Me on Monday. So happy Easter everyone. This week's primary case is an Easter one, and personally I've never heard of it, and the perpetrator is still alive, yes, that's unusual for us, I know, with a little bonus side case at the end, which I found by accident. Interesting side fact for those that don't know, under trading laws, shops in England and Wales, there's no restrictions in Scotland, that are over 280 square metres must close their doors on Easter Sunday and Christmas Day. They're religious holidays, so... We have to shut down. Um, I don't know why. I still don't understand why. No. We're um, a secular society for the most part. Separation from church yeah, and state but, and all that. Yeah, but the head of the head of state is the head of the Church of England. So I don't know why that's tied into that. I know periodically in Parliament they do try and turn it over, but it never works. Right. As per usual, all the research is in the show notes. So I found some super disturbing Easter Bunny fan fiction that had me boggling. We're not talking the run-of-the-mill furry fun stuff. Some of it was very dark. And also... Furries aren't fun. We don't, I don't want to condone that behaviour. I'm not kink-shaming, but it's weird. Do you, they often wear nappies inside them things, right? And they've got a kink called crinkling, where they like the noise that the nappy makes and stuff because it's wet. I'm just, that's weird. I ain't kink-shaming. you know more about it than I do, then. Yeah, because it's part of internet culture. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I found some intrigue. Do you know how much they pay for their fairy porn? If, no. you're, an, if you're an artist, you think that um, you'll be drawing things, maybe comic books or illustrations, graphic novels. It's mostly fairy porn because they'll pay you like $600 to have you draw like a butthole on a mountain. It's really strange. Or they're, they're called first owners. It's really, I don't know how I got into this already, but it did. Yeah, there's some really weird stuff. So I'm just thinking. Was, little, in this, in, it, it, innocent you. It was, Easter it got, chicks and bunnies. You and... got briefly mentioned in a group chat about how you read down, you went down a rabbit hole without realising it was a furry yeah. fanfic oh, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Was... I ain't gonna. No. <laughs> yeah. You and I have discussed before how the date for Easter moves. Apparently, it's the first Sunday after the first full moon following the spring equinox. Sound simple? No, it doesn't. No. It's the first Sunday after the full moon on an equinox. Yeah. But it's not a normal spring equinox. It's not. It's not a. 
a, it's a re, not a lunar one, it's a religious one. And at that point, I just my brain just noped out and I just gave up on trying to understand why. It's, it's a trope in a lot of uh, movies, cartoons, anime or whatever. Something always happens around an equinox. Yeah, that's so, true. I don't actually know what one is. What is an equinox? Well, I know the spring and the... the well, that, no, I don't. I don't know what that is. Google it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I could Google it. I'm not going to. No. Yo, editing Cameron here. We didn't say what it was and I actually wanted to know. So apparently an equinox occurs when the position of the sun is exactly over the equator. When this happens, the hours of daylight and the hours of darkness are about equal almost everywhere on Earth. Equinoxes take place twice a year in the autumn or fall and begins with the autumnal equinox. So I think that means that both sides of the Earth are receiving the same amount of sun and that night and day are the same length. We mentioned it and it bugged me that I didn't know what it was, but back to the show. So we're now on the 30th of March 1975, which was Easter Sunday that year. All right, okay, just, just for some perspective, because you've done some cases that have happened a little while ago. 1975, that's a month after the Vietnam War concluded, to put, the- it, in, to put it into perspective. All right, Steven Spielberg directed Jaws. That's when that first came out, 1975. I've never watched that. And uh, topically, that's when the Suez Canal opened in Egypt after eight years. Because, oh, which just got blocked. Yeah, because uh, there was a war with Israel and they were like, fuck you guys, you aren't going through our canal, so they just closed it off. And then that just got blocked, which stopped 10% of all world trade or something and it was costing billions every day. All because the captain wanted to draw a cock on their mapping software. Have you seen the uh, Yeah, I saw that pictures? picture yeah. of that and I'm like, it's too early for April Fool's, but yeah. <laughs> but that's literally what happened. And in this, this is not long after the internet was invented. And VCRs were only just made for domestic use. So when Jaws was filmed, you're going to just about get it to watch it at home. That's actually, yeah, it's now set what it was like in my head kind of thing. When you said the 70s, it's, it's just crazy to think how long ago that was. But it's not that long ago in the scheme of things. But to consider how far things have gone. Mm. I think that's when, like, um, like the first American space shuttle and, like, a Russian, like, the Soyuz something. I think that's when they first met up on the International Space Station. I don't think that's the thing. I don't think the International Space Station was up there in the 70s. They, well, they did a thing. They might have done a thing, but the International Space Station wasn't up there. Oh, sorry. It's um, Apollo and the Soyuz spacecraft take off for the US-Soviet link up in space. Which that's probably was the forerunner of yeah, the International. Yeah, the ISS. But... Anyway, back to this week. It's, it's crazy how much things have changed. But what hasn't changed are people killing each other. So continue. We are at 635 Minor Avenue in Lindwald, Hamilton, Ohio, which is about 20 miles north of Cincinnati. Living at that house was Charity Ruppert, then aged 65, and her son, James Urban Ruppert, aged 41. They did not have a good relationship. She was basically the end of her tether with him. She had told James to either shape up or ship out. He wasn't paying rent, but was able to go drinking every day, and she'd had enough. Although he had never graduated college, he had trained as a draftman. What type is unclear, but he could have gotten a job, but seemed to have kept getting fired from them. The ship-out date given to James by his mother was the 31st of March, 1975. I wonder what happened in between then. That was the following day. I know, I'm joking. I wonder what happened in between oh. when the whole case took place. And I'm, then the, I'm, I'm visually... And they were given an ultimatum and then there were a load of murders that happened. I wonder what happened. Well, I don't and think... And considering we're talking about them on a true crime podcast, I doubt things ended well. Well, it probably also didn't help that James's 41st birthday had been the 29th of March. He had nowhere to go and no idea what to do. And it also didn't help their relationship that she had told him... 
she had wanted a girl and not another boy when he was born. Can't imagine what that would have done for That's also not his fault. Yeah. Well, it's your fault, if anything. Well. It's no one's fault, but it's definitely not his fault. Obviously, she'd wanted a girl, not another boy, her firstborn son, named Leonard Jr. after her late husband, was a different kettle of fish. He seems to have been held up as the golden boy. He was two years older than James, so 43 at the time of the murders. He had gotten his degree, had a very good job as an engineer with General Electric, owned his own home and was a father to eight, yes, eight children. Is that a time for the whole Easter thing that he shags like rabbits? Eight kids. It did make me wonder, but yeah. The woman Leonard Jr. married and had borne those eight children was one of the very few girlfriends James had ever managed to have. Her name was Alma. So you can already see a pattern of probably resentment and jealousy being built. His life, James, their lives hadn't started off too well either. Whilst the current home was described as a reasonably nice wooden two-storey one, James had been raised along with his older brother by their chicken farmer father, Leonard, and Charity in a wooden shack with no electricity or plumbing. The father was said to be very verbally abusive, especially to James, being mocked for not being a, a sporty child, having a number of allergies, and generally being, in his father's eyes, a bit of a wimp. Again, right, that's not his fault. If if you're just a kid that's super allergic to everything, it's like being mocked for well, it's like being mocked for skin color, hair color, something you literally can't control. Mm. That's not his fault. Well, by the sounds of it, I don't think his father would have um, taken that on board. Leonard Junior is also reported to have been less than happy with having a little brother. It is said he would beat his younger brother and lock him in cupboards as a child. And as they got older, it became verbal abuse, which it said Charity, their mother, also joined in. Okay. Running theme. I feel for the bad guy each time, or I sympathise with them. This time I am just sympathised. I just feel bad for this guy. I don't blame him that he's... I don't know what he's done, but he's probably gone mental with a hatchet. But That's how I started off as well, feeling sorry, but the further you get into this... I'm he thinking, might be an arsehole himself, but it's just you're, you're a victim of circumstance at that point, aren't you? Well, James also said... Um, at the age of 16, he was so depressed with life, he took himself off to the woods locally to try and hang himself with the sheet. The sheet broke and he simply returned home back to the abuse. Leading up to the murders, Leonard Jr. had yet again been teasing or tormenting, I guess it depends on your take on this, James. James owned an old VW car which was less than reliable. James had been convinced that Leonard Jr. had been tampering with his car. There's no actual evidence of this. Um, just to mess with James. And again, as he'd done in childhood, just torment him. So back to this Easter Sunday. Charity adored her grandchildren, who raged in age from 4 to 17. She set up an Easter egg hunt for them at her home, scattering eggs all over her garden. Leonard, Alma and the eight children arrived at his mother's for lunch. James stayed in his room, sleeping off last night's booze intake. After lunch, the children had great fun with the Easter egg hunt in Grandma's garden and returned to the house. The rest that follows is only James's account for obvious reasons, and they're very differing reports of where people were shot, such as in the head or in the chest. Uncle Jimmy, as he was known, came down the stairs carrying his guns. He said he was heading out to target shoot down by the river. Leonard is reported to have said to him, How's your Volkswagen, Jimmy? James turned and shot him in the head. Or the chest, depends on where you read. He then shot Alma. 
Lena's wife, followed swiftly by his mother, Charity. Then he turned his attention to the children. Some reports say it was one child was shot once and the others multiple times. Others report maimed shots to each, followed by a kill shot to the head. He massacred the lot, eight children. Let that sink in for a moment. They were Leonard III, age 17, Michael, 16, Thomas, 15, Carol, 13, Anne, 12, David, 11, Theresa, 9, and John, aged 4. Under five minutes. Now, that's his estimate, remember? He then spent, this again varies, somewhere between three and five hours in the house with the bodies before calling the police and turning himself in. Do you know what he did in those five hours with the bodies? I'm, I'm not assuming it's anything sexual. No. Because that, that doesn't sound like that's something he's driven by. They say he laid out his weapons um, in a quite precise manner. What that the photographs I've seen, they don't, it doesn't mean anything. But what he was sat doing, I don't, goodness knows. Probably coming to grips with what, what he's done. With what he did, but well, what, we had what that pushed again. him over the edge? What was the, the sudden thing that made him do that? His mother thrown him out. He knew he oh, had yeah, to yeah, get true. out the that next was, day. It was, it was his birthday, then that, and then getting kicked out, I guess. that's the And just... his brother probably making a Mickey, you know, had taken Mickey out of him. There's your Volkswagen Jewey. And he just flipped. Yeah. Everybody has a final push button, yeah, don't they? Yeah, and after years and years of being in such a toxic environment. Yeah. So what we have essentially is a mass murderer now. One definition I found, it kills four or more people at one location during one continuous period of time. And what's the difference between that and a spree killer? A spree is... They kill, go different location, kill, yes. go different location. Yes. And a serial killer is... Multiple victims, and it can be spread over multiple, multiple locations. Over, over multiple uh, years. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mass murderers usually commit murder at one location and can be... Can be can be committed by a single individual or a group. Yeah. Yeah? The terminology is a bit weird. There's no proper definition of it. It seems to have come from scholars and originally relates to genocide categorisation. It's quite an odd thing. It's been picked up by common... One of the the only reason why I recognise... Not recognise those terms, obviously, because it's part of, like, pop culture and uh, people being interested in the... I guess it's a a morbid curiosity of people being interested in in things like true crime and... Mm -hmm. And like the Ted Bundy stuff and people obsess. But the terms I'd heard those were in the uh, Netflix program Mindhunter and about when they... Which I've been binging. Which you've been binge watching, yeah. So that's part of the reason why I bring it up now is that's when I first heard about it in, st- in there. Yeah, I start getting quite excited when I see some of the, uh, the actors they've got to play, um, you know, like Ed Kemper and yeah, uh, and BTK and that. I so said, like them. You said, I don't think... The, the must do have done some camera trickery with the person that plays... Ed Kemper. Yeah. But he didn't. He is about seven foot tall. And I didn't realize that he's, he's the same guy that was in something called Umbrella Academy, which weirded me out because I'd have liked to think I would have recognized him. But yeah, this guy is genuinely intimidating and freaky how much he looks like him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, yeah. No, brilliant series. I, I understand that there's possibly a third one coming out, but we can, we can hope. I think it's very, very good. But if you're talking about mass murderers there are a no, quite a number of notable cases some of these are on my to-do list some of them i wouldn't touch with the barge pole now some people will know the names like charles whitman i remember reading about that one um that was university of texas at austin he went up a um, a tower and basically shot 16 people and they did an autopsy and i think i think that's the one that had the brain tumor 
you've got John List, which we have talked about before. Um, we've got Ronald Gene Simmons. Again, he's killed 14 family members in the age range of 20 months to 14, six, 46 years. There are a lot of big names in this. Kip Kinkle, um, I recently listened to a podcast episode on him as well. Um, you've got a lot. There's one of them that's really interesting. They, there was one, there was a prince in Nepal and he killed the royal Nepal, Nepalese family at dinner and then shot himself. That was in 2001. That one's, I remember that happening, that being all over the news. That was really interesting. So, but back to dear old Uncle Jimmy. The place... He's not an uncle anymore. Well, no, no, no he isn't, yeah. He's um, killed everyone, it's just Jimmy. Yeah, the, he's literally slaughtered his entire family. The police described the scene as a slaughterhouse. There was so much blood splashed about, it was dripping through the floorboards into the basement. The kitchen was so full of bodies that the police couldn't make their way through without literally stepping on body parts such as arms and legs. And I've seen, um, not photographs, but I've seen scale drawings of how they were laid out. And I can imagine, you you couldn't have done it, yeah. you would have slid. Well, even if eight dogs are laying on the floor in a hallway, you, you it's hard to step around them. Yeah, and you, yeah, but the blood. Never mind eight human people with bullet wounds. Bullet wounds and blood everywhere. Now the freaky bit. It said that there are still blood stains on the floorboards. Why they were not replaced or the house torn down, I don't know. And the current occupants still get thrill seekers turning up to look at them. Don't do that, people. It's well, one just thing that weird. I found out that was crazy is if. Say you own a home and the people that live in your home are murdered and there's blood mm. everywhere and stuff. And the crime scene people come in and they, mm. and they deal with that stuff. You have to pay to have all that cleaned up. Mm. I would have thought that would have been covered by something. Yeah. Why isn't that? Why do you have to pay for it? I've got no idea. But I, yeah, that's occurred to me as well. You can, And there are a lot of firms that do specialise in it. Yeah, in stuff like cleaning and things like that. But I, I found that quite... You'd have thought the authorities would have gone in and done it for them, but no, they don't. Not necessarily done it for them in in the, oh, out of courtesy, but I would have thought that would have been covered under the, I I, I don't know, I'm I'm assuming there'd have been some sort of act like protection of crime. I don't know. It seemed like it didn't make any sense to me that the fact that that no government body will clean up this thing that's happened. But it's like people going after they've been burgled and the the Socos have been in there, since the crime officers have been in there, and they walk in and it's there's a layer of fingerprint dust which usually looks like black soot hmm. and it's over every single surface. And apparently that's an absolute bastard to get off. And you've you've already traumatised because you've been burgled and now you've got to clear this additional mess well, up as well. Well, that's only if they even bother to fingerprint anything after a battery. Well, yeah, they don't always do that. Yeah, But, yeah, I, I was just kind of... I was, I was annoyed by that, actually. Mm. But, yeah, don't, don't turn up on people's doorsteps. It's a bit like me wandering down to the Tower of London and asking to touch the block where Anne Boleyn had her head chopped off. You just don't do it. It's, it's really weird. And there have been the usual reports that people who subsequently moved into that house have been plagued by supernatural goings-on. Think of Amityville Horror. which is Skeptical Ronald... hippo-wise. I somehow don't believe that. Yeah, and at, yeah Ronald Feo Jr., who's obviously, again, just been in the news because he just died. Apparently, the present occupiers have lived in that house for years and they seem absolutely fine with it, um, except for the people that keep turning up to see the floorboards. Anyway, James was arrested and charged that day 11 counts of aggravated homicide. He refused to answer questions asked by the police and was very uncooperative. He made it clear, though, that he would plead insanity. Didn't take long to get to trial. I know there's a right to a speedy trial in the USA, but this was fast. The original trial was held in Hamilton, Ohio. The three-judge panel found 
um, James guilty on 11 counts of murder and sentenced him to life in prison. A mistrial was declared, don't know why, and it was decided that the retrial would be held in Ohio, 125 miles north, a place called Finley, because it was believed he could not receive a fair trial in the city of Hamilton. Yeah, I can understand that. So the second trial began in June of 1975. So he did this at Easter, March, and he's gone on his second trial in the same year. It makes sense, though, that it's if it's in the town that you committed it. That... Yeah, but it's the speed of the trial. No, no, but it, again, I, I'd understand that. It's the... People take it more to heart, so they're going to be biased. Yeah, but not, they didn't have a place. jury. It was a judge panel, but I guess even judges yeah. can be biased as well. So we're back on this second trial in June 75, and the prosecutors revealed evidence involving the witnesses who had seen James engaging in target practice, asking about silencers for his gun collection and admitting that his mother's expectations were a problem that he needed to solve. In June 1975, James received 11 consecutive life sentences. Again. Again appealed. A new trial was granted. 1982. His defence attorney, convinced that James was insane, personally funded the hiring of expert psychiatrists and psychologists from all over the country. The psychiatrist later found that James had paranoid delusions that were... Leonard, Almer and his mother were conspiring to ruin his life, but so were the United States government the Central Intelligence Agency and the Federal Bureau of Investigations. I could get behind his family ruining his life because based on the descriptions of them, they kind of were. However, the rest of it, I don't believe. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where I'm I... not personally annoyed at Boris. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, this is where I started to lose sympathy for James when I heard the, these other ones. He got into trouble for allegedly making an obscene phone call. And he concluded that there was an orchestrated conspiracy to inform the entire population of of Hamilton of the incident and spread suspicion that he was a communist and a homosexual. Yeah. Never mind the fact that I killed like eight kids in my entire family. Oh, they might think I'm gay. Yeah. That's not an issue. (laughs) Well, it might have been then, but well, I don't know. We're in the 80s now, aren't we? So on July 23rd, 82, another three judge panel found James guilty on two counts of first degree murder, his mother and his brother, but found him not guilty on the other nine counts of murder by reason of insanity. He received one life sentence for each count to be served consecutively. Do you want to try that word again? Consecutively. Breathe. Consecutively. Okay, continue. <laughs> because capital... We worked through that together, I'm proud of you. <laughs> because capital punishment had been suspended in the United States from 74 to 76, um, there was a Supreme Court decision in a case I don't actually know, and because the massacre of that, had, that actually happened in 75, James couldn't receive the death penalty. So... It happened in 75 and the death penalty was suspended for four years. So, I mean, personally, I'm against the death penalty as a, as a concept. Mm. So James was sentenced to a minimum of 10 years to a maximum of life, sen- of life sentence. OK, I don't think that's harsh enough. A minimum of 10 years isn't enough considering that's, that, that, that is less years than the amount of people you killed. But it's one after the other. Uh, true, if it's consecutive, it's like 10 years, 10 years, 10 years. OK, yeah. okay that kind of makes sense. My yeah. bad. He entered the Ohio State Prison System on the 30th of July, 1982. He's been denied parole at three three hearings, 1995, 2005 and 2016. In 2016, he was 81 
at that time, the parole board said, and I'm quoting, the board has determined that the inmate is not suitable for release at this time. The inmate has not completed any recommended programming and does not appear willing to do so. The inmate's records note negative institutional conduct. So yeah, I assume that means he hasn't sort of expressed good behaviour inside the system. If everyone's, everyone's thinking he's an asshole. Yeah, he's he's he, yeah he, he's up for another parole pe- hearing, um, twenty twenty five. He'll be almost a hundred by then. He'll be dead. I guess, and if he's not, he's going to get denied again. He's just not... He's, he's, the not engaging with the prison services is a huge red flag for me. Those that want to get out and can get out subject to behaviour usually do, even faking it, getting with the programmes and the therapies and all the rest of it. But winding up the system to screw him over again, in his eyes, is not the brightest move, is it? I don't doubt a lot of the bullying claims. Some would say all siblings do that to a degree, but he also seems to be a perpetual victim. Siblings, sibling rivalry can actually be quite good if it's in a certain context. You often you often find it in a lot of athletes. Yes, a lot of the incredibly good athletes are actually uh, second or third children because if your if your siblings eight and you're four, you need to keep up with them. So it pushes you to run faster, develop faster, get stronger, bigger, and stuff. Uh, that's that's exhibited in, in a lot of people. So I can understand that sibling rivalry is good because it can spur you on. That's if you're in a healthy environment, though, mm-hmm. and his parents weren't no so i i'm not surprised that things went south yeah there seems to be to me there was it, it sounds like there was an enormous amount of resentment built up over many years he i think he hated his brother for being who he couldn't be even to getting his old girlfriend turns out james had actually even been engaged to another woman at some point but got dumped and maybe this is an old angle but i've heard of this being resentful that his brother was the virile man he wasn't having the eight children and James wasn't even married and had no children. Yeah, well, it's it's a compound effect, isn't it? Yeah. So it, it sounds like he never started his life. He was trapped with a mother he hated but couldn't hold down a job to get money to move out. But then you have the mental illness angle, the conspiracy theories. And what about that dirty phone call he was charged with making? How many others maybe he never got charged for? So he doesn't sound he doesn't sound much of a peach. Again, at the beginning I felt sorry for him. But when we've got to this point, no, I don't. You do start to lose a certain amount of sympathy points when you massacre eight kids. I mean, even I draw the line there. Yeah. So anyway, that's the end of that case. But wait, there's more. There's this case is always You liked t- your first one? Here's one free. Buy one, <laughs> get one free. This case is always tied to Uncle Jimmy's, and you'll see why in a minute. It's not fair to the victim, but it's actually also understandable. Now, the case we just covered, it all happened at 635 Miners Avenue, Hamilton, Ohio, in 1975. Yes. Well, on the 4th of June, 1996, on the opposite side of the road at 622 Miners Avenue, a Timothy Bradford killed his girlfriend, Tina Mott, the mother of his child, by slashing her throat with a fillet knife. People realised that Tina wasn't about. People started asking questions. No, Tina. And this useless Herbert with a baby I doubt he knew what to do with. Timothy told his mother and the police that Tina had walked off after a fight to go and visit family in New New York. New York. But when his mother checked up on this, she realised Tina hadn't made it to New York. So people started really investigating. And whilst what is notable is the violence in this, it's 
what he did after that had my hair stand on end. So stand by, this is going to get gruesome. You have a dead body, you need to dispose of it. So good old Timothy set about doing just that. He dismembered her using 19 knives, a hacksaw, a meat cleaver and a pair of pliers. Not just disarticulating and removing arms and legs as such, but he skinned her and sawed her bones down into smaller parts. Holding her head in his lap, he used those pliers to remove her teeth and he flushed parts of her internal organs down the toilet. He threw her remains away in various parts of the city, a sewage treatment facility by their place and a skull, her skull in a lake nearby, where two boys found it while fishing some two months after the event. I bet those two were traumatised for life and probably will never eat fish ever again. There's a certain emotion, or at least, at least for me, picturing having someone's dismembered head in your lap, pulling out the teeth. To There's, there's a difference between killing someone, but then, even, okay, even dismembering them, but uh, almost personal... It's almost personal. I know, yes. I, I know that sounds weird. No, it doesn't but exactly. I, I don't know. I'm thinking, would I put a towel over the, the eyes to, to so disconnect from what I'm doing? That is very common that when they find a body that may be covered up, um, and they say quite often that they can tell by the way it's covered up if there is some personal linkage. Yeah, yeah, because people either make uh, so what like you've m- just said feeds into thing. that. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's yeah, it's gruesome. So authorities obviously didn't find everything. Even if you allow for his disposal methods, animal activity took care of an awful lot of it. She was identified by DNA, thankfully, and I know it was mitochondrial, so it must have matched her son, and it must have been in the system as she'd been reported missing. So mitochondrial DNA, that's a fairly new concept. Um, little thing, do you know what DNA stands for? No, I, I'm damn sure I couldn't. I do, I, but I couldn't say it. I watched a documentary, I think it was actually with you, where they, they were talking about the first time DNA was used to okay. identify a killer. It stands for doxyribonucleic acid. Say that when you've had a drink. Which was actually discovered in the 1960s. It sounds bollocks because they didn't know what germs were until 19, uh, 1863. That was the uh, germ theory of disease. Because right. they, they didn't even know you had to wash your hands and stuff. Yeah. Did you hear about the uh, the surgery that's got the highest case mortality or the highest, yeah, the highest mortality of any surgery? Well, currently or then? It, it still counts now. Three people died. He tried to saw off someone's leg so fast that he, um, it was something like, he, he tried to saw this man's leg off so fast they accidentally caught the finger of one of the nurses helping him and she, and she, got, and she got an infection and died. The man died that he cut the, the leg off of, and someone in the stand was so horrified that they died. It's the highest mortality oh, of any oh. surgery. Three people died in one surgery because of it. Oh. But not that that's connected to the germ theory of disease, but uh, it wasn't... Back to DNA. Yeah, the first instance of DNA being used to solve a crime was 1986, and I think it was the 1950s that two science bros called James Watson and Francis Crick discovered the structure of DNA being that fancy double helix that we know. Mm. The best example for me was Jurassic Park. You know when yeah. they talk about the frogs and how they took certain parts of the frog DNA to make dinosaur DNA and stuff. But they and didn't was, admit the other bits they took. Yeah, where they found out they they were all female frogs, but they were hermaphroditic, so they could change their sex. But for me as a kid, that made it it was a really good example of what DNA was at the time. And I'm still pissed they haven't brought back dinosaurs 
because a better T-Rex would taste fucking delicious. And I'm annoyed that that hasn't happened since then. <laughs> it's sort of world hunger, wouldn't it? We're, we're, we're segueing the podcast, <laughs> but I edit the podcast, so I control what's said. But anyway, But my, mitochondrial is is relationship, isn't it? It's, it's usually through um, a close... It's a, I don't know. All I know is that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. That's all I know. Oh, I, thought, I thought it was... And then mind. Right. So go go back to poor old Tina Mott, who's been killed by this guy. He claimed it was an accident. They were arguing and blah, blah, blah. You know, plea deal. Not a fan, but I get why they happen. Negotiated plea agreement. Timothy Bradford was convicted of voluntary manslaughter and abuse of a corpse. He was sentenced to 12 to 25 years. He went into the Ohio state prison system on September the 4th. Sorry, September the 24th, 1997. He too has been denied parole at each hearing, including the last in June of 2015. He's scheduled for mandatory release on December the 6th, 2023, and he will have completed serving his full 25-year sentence at that time. Why is it mandatory? They have to. If it's, if it's 25 years, it's, again, it's the American justice system. It's a bit different to ours. You can get into trouble and get recharged over here and get stuff stuck back onto your sentence. But in the States, they have to release them when he's done his full... I think there's also a thing where once a case has been closed, like once a sentence has been passed, they can't alter the sentence duration because given enough time, you could find anyone that will either fake evidence or give a a, a, a testimony to... As, oh, they were with me. They couldn't have done it. Given enough time, you could convince anyone, oh, it didn't actually happen. So I think... That's something that exists as well. I read about that recently. Oh, okay. Well, that's a new one for me. So what I said might be bollocks, but what you right? What I think you're trying to say is you're talking about the introduction of new evidence on to push through an appeal and have a sentence overturned. Yeah, the the, the best way I can think of it is if so. The OJ case, for example, is closed. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, for like three or four years. You've just got constant, constant, resub- constant submission of new evidence that could be completely fraudulent because he's got the funds to essentially overturn these things. And again, it could be bollocks because I read it on Reddit. You can see why that would be a thing because the defence, yeah, and but the prosecution they, they do aren't working together. Or, okay, like you're exactly right, and it does often happen that defence uh, will try and present new evidence to the court. So they'll present you evidence and say, look, can you grant us an appeal on the basis of X, Y, Z? And they will look at whether it will have a material difference as well to the outcome of the case. So say in OJ's case, they produced uh, a video of him being 200 miles away when he'd said all the way along he was 200 miles away. We we know he wasn't, but that's not the point. Yeah, yeah this is just a hypothetical. Um, and they can then turn around and say yes or no. And sometimes they say no, and we can all go in uproar. Well, it was obviously it was true. Yeah. But there are reasons. But, um, and I'm, you have I'm to more read... talking about given enough time, you could manipulate it to be why this person is innocent. Because if if you have an unlimited amount of time, an unlimited amount of resources. I don't resources, think. I think there are limits to the the court will turn around and say there's no grounds. You could pay yeah. anyone off given enough time, enough money to be like, yeah. oh. The, oh he was with me, I or this person did X, Y, Z, and eventually it would be a combination of enough evidence that it would overturn it, but it's completely false because it's past the time of sentencing, so the prosecution aren't coming I... up with their stuff as well because they're onto other things, but your defence stays the same because 
you've got the funds to... I think it does happen and pe- people do try that. But I guess if, just for argument's sake, you've got a five-year sentence and you've got that kind of money, they can pay for a very cushy life inside. And yeah. it's just usually sometimes easier to serve it out than to try and do all that shenanigans to get out from under it. I, I guess it does happen, but it's one of those things. So... There's some data that I got my hands on from the FBI um, from the mid-1970s to the mid-1980s. And they found that for every 100 husbands who killed their wives in the United States, about 75 women killed their husbands. So it's a three to four ratio. And that really surprised me. I I really wouldn't have thought that. Again, that's 30 years ago now, isn't it? But yeah. So I have a question. Why is it always typically white men that are mass shooters and you typically don't get women that do it? And again, the same with why men are the serial killers, why you don't get that many women that do it. So the, the first ever serial killer that was a woman was someone called Leviana Fisher. She was born in 1793 and died 1820. It's reported by some legends to have been the first se- female serial killer in the United States of America. Her origins are unknown, however. Fisher resided in the United States for much of her life. So she's the first ever serial killer that's a woman, on record at least. There you go. You've given me another case to go and research. I'd never heard of her. There's many, many... There are a lot of... Women tend to go for less violence, or that was always considered, until you've got people like Aileen Warnos. Um, but women will go for poisons. Yeah. And women well, will typically a kill woman, a, much more. Because with a man, they can use their physical stature Science, yeah. to do it, whereas a woman can't. We're in realms of psychology and history. If that... only we knew a psychologist. <laughs> or historian as well. So we thought that we'd produce a podcast that's Easter related or somewhat around Easter because it's topical. So you asked me the question, do you think we can record a podcast and they can edit the next day? And someone who's historically had problems with editing and releasing on a deadline, I thought, yeah, fuck it, why not? I'm sure I'm capable. Uh, I do it anyway. And usually I just, I just leave it until the Sunday to edit it in the first place. So functionally, there's no difference in how I'm actually going to edit this. So it's going to be fine. But I just thought, yeah. And that's probably why this one's going to be slightly shorter than normal as well, because there is very few out there. As I said, I ended up down in furry rabbit rabbit holes. Literally literally rabbit holes, unfortunately. Rabbit porn. I mean, I'm traumatised. I did not expect to find that. And now when we ended up in DNA world, it's just really bloody weird. Yeah, you can't find many cases around. And it's probably as well because Easter flipping well moves and you can get it from the middle of March to the middle of April, more or less. I forget how old I was. I think I was about, I would have been in probably year five or year six, would have been close to 10 when I finally realised that Christmas was always on December 25th and I was much older than I should be to realise that. Because I, I was because I always wondered how come the twenty fifth is always a really big chocolate in, a, in an advent calendar, and then my sister was like, "Oh, that's when Christmas is." And I was like, "What? Christmas is always on the twenty fifth? I was like ten, and I didn't realize that. Oh dear. I was. I mean, I know I was dropped on my head a lot as a kid, but that's taking the piss. No, you weren't. That's yes, I was. No, you weren't. I hit my head a lot. I I've got a big head, so it was easy for me to hit my head. Well, you. Well, yeah. Well, I, I like. I like. I want to do cases that are more seasonal, so. I know there's a really famous case of the guy dressed as Santa that went around to kill people and ended up somehow setting his lower half on fire. So when I suggested a an, an April case, I doubt there was someone that was dressed up as a rabbit that went around killing everyone. I did look. Yeah. I did try. And if there is one of them, I bet it's covered by just every single podcast because they want to do a similar thing. So yeah, I'd like to do one that's around Valentine's Day, April, 
Halloween, Christmas and stuff, because it's just kind of topical. I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I did think about Valentine's, but I thought about Valentine's afterwards. And then somebody said to me, why didn't you do one? There's another podcast that I listened to, the prosecutors. They did one um, and it was to do with, I think it was um, Taylor Swift, April the 1st, April Fool's Day. Taylor Swift's belly button is the porthole to hell or something like that. And I didn't occur to me to do a bloody April the Fool's one. April Fool's one, it just, it just didn't. But it was, yeah, that's not how my brain works. But if somebody gives me a suggestion, I'll quite happily fly with it. So I think we've pretty tidily wrapped up today's case. Yep, two for one. Thank you for listening. And we look forward to sharing another episode with you again next week. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, and whatever platform you use for podcasts. Follow us everywhere apart from real life. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Goodbye. Peace.